Thanks once again for joining us for this study from Ephesians. And as we open chapter 2 and finish the chapter, let's pray. Lord, bless this word to our hearts. Again, may it draw us close to you, know you better, and walk with you this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we finish chapter 2, we are putting together some of these pieces, but it's going to go into chapter 3, of course, as well. Uh, Again, they want to keep the emphasis on what God is doing today, this new, I use the word entity, uh, this new people of God, the church, the body of Christ. And we're going to see in chapter 3 how this was kept uh, hidden from the ages and something that God has revealed that is so wonderful and so uh, spectacular in his plan of salvation that you and I are a part of today. And so we've been looking at this language of building, of foundation, of, uh, you know, an edifice. And so we're going to finish this today. But so yesterday... Um, Well, let's look at our our passage again. Verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building is joined together and grow and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being dwelt together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we looked yesterday, just a quick recap, we looked at uh, these building terms that are used here that are just you know all part of this passage. Foundation, uh, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the cornerstone, uh, Christ Jesus, the building itself, and also that this word could be used for the building and the process of building. Fitted together, uh, the idea of the mason work that went into putting these uh, stones together, uh, a real fine craft and a, a very labor-intensive craft um, but that these buildings, so many of them that can still see today. And then the holy temple that we're going to talk about today. And then finally, the, the kind of the summarize of this idea of the dwelling. So we talked about the foundations, the apostles and prophets. And I suggested to you that these are the New uh, Testament offices of, of prophet and apostle. I just want to make a, a note here. In terms of the Old Testament prophets, including Moses, who was a prophet, according to, to the, the Bible and Jewish tradition, and all the writers of the Old Testament, these certainly are an essential part of our theology, our understanding, study of God, theology. Our understanding of God, his unfolding plan of uh, salvation, his character. This is why Paul says in Second Timothy, all scripture is given by God and is profitable. It's useful for instruction, for teaching, for reproof, for so, so Paul makes it clear that all scripture uh, is, is something that is important to us and that we study. In this particular case, I just wanted to point out that with this new entity, the church, the body of Christ, I think given the fact that Paul talks about these gifts of apostles and prophets bringing revelation of what God is doing today was the foundation for this uh, new work. But of course, it had to be built on the cornerstone, which was Jesus Christ. Um, Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. And uh, we looked at Isaiah, how this thought in Isaiah about the importance of the stone that became the plumb line, if you will. If the, if the original cornerstone was off, the whole building was going to be off in terms of where it sat on the ground. Uh, this was very important. So Christ is the chief cornerstone. And then we, we talked about this idea of being built together, joined and fitted together. And this is such an important part, again, of the old, of the old world, the ancient world building process of placing these stones and, and, and cutting them. You know, in the temple, uh, you were not allowed to hear the hammers, uh, near the holy place. And so in, even in Herod's, even in Herod's temple that he built, these huge stones were, were cut 
and formed and then brought to the site and fitted together. It's an amazing feat. You should do a little research on ancient building uh, with masonry. I think you'd be fascinated by it. And so we see that God is doing this. Now, so it, so we come into our, uh, yes, from yesterday's study into today, and we sort of, I sort of bridged those third and fourth ones. And so I want to, this idea of being built and, 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 and joined together, what God is doing today, uh, for the church. I just want to go back to this thought that, that, you notice it says that this, this building is, is rising. It's, it's growing. And that God, and also the last point I have here is that it continues to grow. And this is the idea here with, uh, with this active verb and a participle in front of it, that this idea that it's, it's, it's a growing edifice, which is really fascinating. I mean, I watch buildings, buildings in Seattle. There's been so much building in the last 10 years and you just watch these buildings going up and up all the time. We're a building that's continually being built. We are complete. We are one in Christ, but clearly this language that God is fitting together over the last 2000 years been fitting together the church, the body of Christ. Think of the history of the church all over the world. And that we are part of this, you know, it's important for us to remember we are part of something so much bigger than just ourselves, our own church, our own small group. We are part of God's great work that's been going on for 2000 years and reached millions of people with the message of hope and grace and is still happening today. And we are part of that. God is continually joining and fitting. And think in terms of this context that we've been studying in Ephesians of Jew and Gentile, that God has fit them together. I mean, think of the, think of the dynamics with this. Think of the fact you have these pagans who come from this completely, I mean, pagan background where, where things such as, is in their worship, there were things such as temple prostitution as part of worship. And then you've got uh, um, observant Jews who are meticulously keeping the Old Testament law. Think of blending these, these two cultures, these two backgrounds together into one new edifice. You think we have challenges today? Um, and it is a challenge, and it's been a real study in missiology and missions about cultural impacts on our work and, and, and how we, how we work together with our various cultures and ethnicities. Um, and, 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 but God is doing that, and God is doing that today. God is building and placing together ethnicities and cultures that come to the true essential understanding of the gospel that we're different, even in our own churches. Now look how different we are. I mean, it would be terrible if we were all exactly the same. That's one of the wonderful things about the church, the body of Christ. Look at your church congregation. Look at whatever fellowship you're part of. Look how different the people are and the personalities and the skills and the gifts, ideas. And, um, you know, these are good things because God is fitting us together. And I just want to make sure you understand that this is really important part of this building process. Think of it as a process that God is doing, fitting together. God is doing this, and it continues to grow. And then we come to this next, this next section here, this next phrase, where he says, it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Now, this is really fascinating. Now, of course, at the same time, again, this is where some will see that the church, the body of Christ, is the new spiritual Israel. We've, it's called replacement theology. We've replaced Israel, not as a new entity necessarily, but we've, we've taken over all the spiritual all the promises to Israel now spiritually fulfilled in us. I don't think that's what's going on here. This is a brand new entity of Jew and Gentile equally coming together into something new, not the Gentiles being attached to Israel or vice versa. What's interesting here is this word for, for temple here 
And, and the reason I say that is some might think, well, why are we, we see the word temple? And it means Israel. And, and yes, in the old, in the New Testament and in the Septuagint. Now, when I put, whenever you see this LXX, just remember, that's just short for Septuagint. It's the Roman numeral 70. And the tradition is that 70 scholars uh, put this in Alexandria, Egypt, translated the Hebrew into the Greek. You can read, go online, you can read the history of that. Another fascinating story. In both cases, this word uh, naos, or naos, is used for the holy place consistently. There are two words that are used for the temple in the New Testament, for example. The other one, Aaron, it has to do with when Jesus came and threw the money counters out of the temple courts. That word for temple is used. It's the word for the bigger compound of the temple. But when speaking of the place where God dwelt, the holy place, this word here is used. And this is the word that's used here. The pagan temples, don't forget, this is not just a Jewish thing. Remember, Probably the majority of believers are Gentile at Ephesus, many scholars believe. Regardless of that, even if it's half and half, remember they have their own, they have no connection to Israel's temple. That's, that's sort of a foreign thought to most of them. What they have is all these temples that the same, they all had their temples and all those temples had the dwelling places of their gods. Uh, remember when Paul went to, to, to Mars Hill in Athens and we read it in, in Acts where he goes to Athens. And it says that he, he, he tells him, he says, the God has made everything does not live in, in temples made by hand. And this is the word he uses. And then when talking about in Ephesus, that uh, talking about Artemis, and, and, and it refers to the, to the temple, the, the temple there in this verse here, it's the same word. Remember, Ephesus is the center of the worship of Artemis, where she fell from heaven and they built this temple. So it's the dwelling place. So the pagans and Gentiles clearly had this concept of an edifice, a building, a worship center, a cultic center, if you will, where their deity dwelt as well. This is not just a, an Israel thought. This is a, a worldwide thought in, in this part of the world, in the Near East and the Mediterranean world. This was as common to them as a church and Sunday school are to me growing up in church, having a temple and a dwelling place. Solomon made, made the point when he dedicated the temple of God, of course, we know God does not live in this temple. He, he dwells here, but he's not restricted here. So this is a this is a, a common theme for both. So when when Paul says this, we become a, a a temple of God. The Gentiles right away connect to that as well. The church, the new entity, is growing as a holy dwelling of God, a holy a holy dwelling of God. This is a Jew and Gentile concept. They both could relate to when Paul uses this metaphor. And so we become this final this final phrase in this in this passage. And in him, you too, verse 22, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Again, he kind of wraps us up. We are being fitted together. Think of that right now, right now, in my community, in my church, in my neighborhood, in our world, wherever you are, Christians are being fitted together together. And churches are being fitted together because we have the universal church, the body of Christ, of which all of our local churches are part of. Somehow God is actively at work fitting us together. Isn't that amazing and a wonderful thought to think that that we're part of God's plan, God's work, that he is doing this amazing work that's going on right now, even in these very challenging times we live in. As I, as I give this uh, lesson today, in the middle of this coronavirus uh, epidemic is really, really unprecedented times for us, really, 
in our generation, yet God is at work building and fitting together his church. It's a dwelling. Pagan, Gentile, and Jew alike could relate to this thought. This is something new. They no longer have to worship. The pagans no longer have to go to their to their to their cultic centers to worship a god that doesn't exist. When Paul says in chapter again in, in chapter sixteen of Acts, the God who made the heavens and earth does not live is not contained in houses made by hand. And the Jews understood this too. Their temple was the place where God's presence was. He didn't he didn't it wasn't contained there, but he, his presence was there. Today. The church, the body of Christ, this new entity has now become the place where God is dwelling, if you will, in his people on this earth, the new people of God. But don't, don't, don't miss this last part here in which God lives or dwells by his spirit. Friends, this is the key here. What is it that, what, what is it that makes us a dwelling place of God? We already saw that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Christian doctrine of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Each one of us, in that sense, when Paul goes on to talk about, don't you know your body is the temple of God? Each of us, again, this is not just a Jewish thought. This, all the pagans would relate to this too, that our bodies are a place where God dwells collectively as a church, the body of Christ, in my local assembly, Anytime I get together, if I get together with local pastors from my community, as I do regularly, if I gather with anybody from my church, if I gather with people from around the world, if I come and visit a mission station in, in Africa or Bolivia or Southeast Asia, wherever our missionaries are, if we, if we come, we are together. We are together a dwelling of God. And this is a wonderful thing as we reach across the cultures and we do that through supporting mission work. Where, where we are connected, even people we haven't met, because of the connections we have, we are a dwelling place of God being built up. The church of life Christ. How? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in each of us, drawing us together, dwells in us collectively, and collectively we are this temple. Let's use the word dwelling place of God, if that helps. We are the new dwelling place, the holy dwelling place of God, God is present in our community, in my city and in your city, in your neighborhood, in your apartment house, your place of work, your school, your family. God is present. Why? Because you're present. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. God is present there. And collectively, God is present in all of us, all over this world. And I just wanted to, to conclude this chapter with this just amazing thought that we ought to be really thankful for and appreciative and humbled, humbled that in our, in our failings and our humanness and our, you know, our weakness, we are part of God's work around this world. Uh, what a privilege, what a blessing. I hope you prepare for chapter three by reading chapters one and two. Um, in a couple of days, we'll put up our next lesson. We'll begin chapter three, and then we're going to go into chapter four and see some great application of these truths. So take some time to meditate, pray over these things, spend some time in God's word. God bless you. I really do appreciate it again. You're just taking a few minutes to spend time with this Bible study. Thank you.